The following podcast contains adult themes, gritty details from true crimes, and naughty language. Listener discretion is advised. There's no time now. I began five years ago, in secret, working all night, every night, right into the dawn. A thousand experiments, a thousand failures, and then, at last, the great, wonderful day. Hello, all you spooky nerds. Welcome back to Human Fuckery, the only show where introverted weirdos compete for your socially distanced affection by telling weird but true stories ripped from history's colon. I'm your host, Edward, broadcasting to you from our secret lair in Satan's Taint, a.k.a. Southern Louisiana. Joining me today, as always, is my co-host, former fancy pants journalist and recovering Jersey girl, Kimberly. Kimberly, Mm. you little manic pixie dream squirrel. Question. Yes, dear? How are you coping with your fisting of a loss from last episode? Um... Okay, I don't really need to cope since I voted for you before we even left the studio. But yeah, the final tally is in and listeners absolutely loved your story about deranged hitchhiker Kai McGilvery being picked up by an equally deranged driver named Jet Simmons McBride. It was a landslide victory over my tale of serial killing hitchhiker Gary Lee Sampson. And I'm not even mad about it. Um... If you missed that one, folks, do yourself a favor. Go back and listen to it. It includes one of the greatest quotes in history. Which quote? Smite them, oh smitey one. Mm. (laughs) Why did that one tickle you so much? Uh, Being raised in the church, living in the evangelical South, writing about religious cults. like You just kind of assume you've heard every name for God that exists. And Oh Smighty One is so ridiculous. So thank you for bringing that story into our lives. Now, will you tell everyone what we're bringing to their ear holes this week? With pleasure. Listeners may remember that last episode was judged by my dogs because a COVID scare meant we couldn't have guest judges in the studio. Mm. For the record, All members of the human fuckery team have tested negative for coronavirus. As a result, last week's special judge, Mr. Patrick Bateman, the Siberian Husky, decided that this episode will feature crimes committed by animals. Now, the show is called Human Fuckery. So how do we feel about doing an animal episode? My feeling is that humans are the only animals which write and then impose their laws on other creatures without the consent of those creatures, which is pretty fucked up. Yeah. Researching this one only solidified for me that humans are far and away the worst animals on the planet. Like, I'm not even trying to be moody. It's simply true. There were almost zero crimes in the last six centuries blamed on animals that are not actually humans' fault. I'm happy you mentioned that because it's relevant in my story. 
Now, regular listeners know the rules already, but for the newcomers, Kimberly and I each get one week to dig through the archives, old newspapers, and the bowels of the internet to find a little-known but totally true story which fits the assigned theme. We get another week to fact-check, record, and sound design each tale, and then we meet here with a pair of special guest judges. We kidnap these judges from their homes in the dead of night, then creatively torture them into listening to our stories and picking the winner. Because we're covering animal crimes this episode, we've brought back animal law student J.C. Wynn. J.C. just spent the entire summer researching ag-gag cases. For anyone who doesn't know, that's legalese for the laws that make it illegal for people who see animals being tortured or made sick by the meat industry to whistleblow. So if a million-dollar meat company like Tyson is grinding up diseased chickens with cancer and nuggets— and they do, or abusing dairy cows and someone catches them doing it, the person who catches them and reports it to the media is the one who gets in trouble. Good times. You sound like a fucking tree hugger. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Grow up. It's capitalism. <laughs> JC is joined by New Orleans's favorite bearded bard, Doug Presley. This kilt-wearing wild man is a beloved tour guide, a professional reader of Viking runes, and a classically trained thespian who you can find sharing history for a living in the French Quarter. He's one part mage, one part sage, and possibly one part werewolf. We're not sure. No one's ever seen him on the full moon. Kimberly, what torture are we using to coerce our guest judges into participating today? <clears throat> this week, we've stripped our judges down to their skivvies, covered them in marshmallow fluff, chained them to a metal pole, and left them directly in the path of a fire tornado, which, in case you missed it, is the newest thing 2020 has gifted all of us here in the United States. Oh, what a time to be alive. Our devoted assistant, Gary the Ghoul, is currently in the next room applying the marshmallow fluff. Now, I do want to put a trigger warning on this episode for the animal lovers, because as you already mentioned, human behavior in response to animals is so consistently shitty. Mm. Honestly, I, I was kind of unprepared for how to... Depressing most of these stories would be. Uh, yeah, my heart, it uh, it hurt while doing this research. Yeah, I was expecting the cases to mostly be hilarious and found that only a few actually were. Like, like I found one case from 16th century France where rats were put on trial in court and given their own lawyer because the rats had eaten the town's barley crop and a lawyer named... Bartholomew Chassonet was that he sounds like Timothy Chalamet's like dad or uncle <laughs> was their collective court appointed representative. That one was at least amusing. Oh, what happened? The court itself was surrounded by stray cats because duh, it was a rural French village. So Bart argued that the court had failed to provide a safe and fair trial to his clients and the case should be dismissed. Uh, and if you trust the sketchy records from a 16th century legal intern, he won the case for the rats. Uh, but that was the only kind of uplifting story I found. Everything else was bleak. Yeah, mine is um, 
No. No. Just... Let's just get into this and let people hear for themselves. Ready? No. Great. Ah, the circus. There was a time when this institution was considered a golden ticket for small-town Americans. An opportunity to experience a little taste of the world beyond their city limits. Each year, families would pour into the streets to watch brightly painted wagons roll through townships, accompanied by a traveling band of whimsical misfits, death-defying acrobats, and exotic spectacles from around the globe. Many of us can still remember our first time under the big top. The aroma of buttery popcorn draped over the crowd. Plumes of blue and pink cotton candy hoisted into the air by colorful barkers moving through the aisles. And the thrill of excitement as a charismatic ringmaster steps into a crisp pool of light at the center of three empty rings. Rings that promise wonderment and thrills beyond our imagination. Truly the greatest show on earth. The Modern Circus was created in England by Philip Astley in 1768. He was a former cavalry sergeant major turned showman. Astley served in the Seven Years' War, where he displayed a remarkable talent as a horsebreaker and a trainer. Upon his discharge, however, he became a trick rider, performing all over Europe. Astley settled in London and opened a riding school near Westminster Bridge, where he taught mornings and performed his, quote, feats of horsemanship in the afternoon. His building featured a circular arena that he called the Circle, or Circus, and would later simply be known as the Ring. This concept would be emulated by many, and by the late 18th century, the circus had spread throughout Europe and had gained traction in the United States. In 1793, John Bill Ricketts, a Scottish writer, he introduced exhibitions in Philadelphia and New York City. There was trick riding, rope walkers, tumblers, pantomimes, and yes, even a clown. Nonetheless, in the early 1800s, popularity of the circus began to wane. Folks were quickly losing interest in the tired old acts they'd seen a dozen times before. However, before the industry could muster a death rattle, an interesting discovery would breathe new life into these traveling worlds of wonder. It was around this time that the popularity of exotic animals emerged, specifically in 1796, with the arrival of North America's very first elephant. The animal was a marvel, a marvel the likes of which people had never seen, and this elephant would become the first to ever be exhibited in a circus. Decades would pass, as the circus spectacle increased in popularity, competing troops would continue to arise, and in a very short time, there were noteworthy traveling menageries of wild animals across the United States. 
Near the turn of the 20th century, elephants were now considered by many to be the very hallmark of the circus. To quote the famous showman P.T. Barnum, elephants and clowns are the pegs on which to hang a circus. And around this time, a performer by the name of Charles Sparks would come into a peg of his own. In the year 1893, Charles's father would purchase a four-year-old elephant that they would name Mary. She was considered the family pet. But after Charles's father died, he would take possession of Mary, and he and his new wife, Addie, would raise the gentle creature as the child they would never bear. And this love would nurture Mary in the most amazing of ways. She grew to an incredible size, eventually earning herself the nickname Big Mary, which of course couldn't have been more convenient. When Charles's father passed, the elephant wasn't the only thing he inherited. He was now the proud owner of the Sparks World Famous Shows, a traveling circus. And without surprise, his beloved Mary would become its featured star. She was promoted as the largest living land animal on Earth, weighing in at over five tons. Exhibiting tremendous intelligence, Mary could play musical instruments, stand on her head, even catch, throw, and hit a baseball. She would awe and excite audiences young and old for many years. That is, until September 11th, of 1916, in St. Paul, Virginia, when a hotel clerk by the name of Red Eldridge would discover a freshly plastered poster advertising the incoming 15-car brigade, and he would change Mary's life forever. It seems Red Eldridge had that cliched itch to, quote, run away and join the circus, because when the group arrived in the small mining town, Red approached Paul Jacoby, the head elephant trainer, and inquired about a job. Despite his inexperience, he was hired as an underkeeper. He was tasked with watering the elephants and preparing them for parades and shows. He was instructed in the ways of what Charles Sparks described as gentle care. Sparks considered himself an ethical and compassionate man, and he would not stand for the mistreatment of his animals, especially Mary. After their stay in St. Paul was over, the mid-sized circus would travel south to their next stop in Kingsport, Tennessee. Red Eldridge was in tow. Kingsport was hosting its very first county fair the next day, and there was an incredible electricity in the air. The circus was meant to be a feature of their celebration. Folks came from neighboring areas and the muddy streets of this tiny town. They were swarmed with crowds, eventually lining the roadsides in anticipation of mighty Mary's arrival. The music, the laughter, the majestic procession of Mary and her fellow elephants... It was picturesque. By all accounts, Mary seemed to have a nice life. Well, 
as nice a life as any circus elephant could, one ostensibly built upon love and trust. She was now 30 years old, having spent the majority of that time with the man who would raise her as his own child. But truthfully, her, her life didn't belong to her, even if she didn't realize it. And whatever sense of safety she felt, it betrayed her that afternoon in Kingsport. Eyewitnesses claimed that during the procession, Mary had spotted a piece of watermelon on the ground. She stopped for a moment, simply to indulge in a light snack. And though she was harmlessly just doing what it is that elephants do, in the next moment, she screamed. Mary was being violently whipped behind her ear with a bullhook. And the blows were coming from none other than her new and woefully inexperienced underkeeper, Red Eldridge, a small man carrying a big stick. In a burst of pain, Mary grabbed Red and, like a boa constrictor, rolled the stranger into her trunk and flung him against a drink stand. He would enjoy no moment of reprieve as within a matter of seconds, Red Eldridge's head would burst open underneath the enormous foot of the circus star, sending blood and brains into the crowd. Bystanders, they immediately wailed with panic and fear, fleeing for their lives. A local blacksmith, he fired shots at Mary, but her hide was just too thick. Charles Sparks saw the commotion. He rushed to his child, placing his arm over her trunk, aiming to calm her. But that's when he noticed the mutilated body of the former hotel clerk. For a moment, it seemed as though everything went quiet. Like a concussion grenade, muted the frenzy in a deafening burst. Facing the horror, a swelling chant grew from the silence one that made Sparks' blood run cold. Kill the elephant. Once subdued, Mary was chained outside the county jail. Townsfolk, they wanted vengeance. The next morning's paper would nickname the elephant Murderous Mary, and news traveled like lightning. There was nowhere for Sparks to run. The next stop on their route, Johnson City, banned the traveling circus from entering so long as Mary was with them. And to make matters worse, a growing mob was on its way to Kingsport with a civil war cannon, seeking vigilante justice. Seemingly without options, in an effort to at least save his business, Charles Sparks reluctantly agreed to do the one thing he believed he could do. The following morning was dreary, having rained all night. The Sparks Circus pulled their train into Irwin, Tennessee, for an unscheduled performance, one that wouldn't include Mary. However, during the show, several eyewitnesses spotted Mary chained outside the circus tent, swaying nervously, sensing... Something was amiss. Once the show was over, 
Irwin citizens filed out of the big top, and they rushed by the thousands to the nearby rail yard. You see, the real reason they'd unexpectedly arrived in this small town is because Irwin's rail yard possessed a derrick car capable of hoisting thousands of pounds. Following the crowd, Charles walked Mary to the derrick with the other elephants, all linked trunk to tail. This was an effort to calm her, but once they arrived, she was then chained to the train tracks as her friends would be led away. In short order, another chain was cinched around her neck, and Derrick Carr 1400 began to lift her into the air, front feet flailing. There was a noticeable hush, save for the sounds of her tendons tearing and bones cracking as laborers forgot to unchain her back feet. The crowd then shrieked abruptly as the seven-eighth-inch chain popped, and poor Mary fell heavily to the ground. She appeared confused, having been betrayed by those she'd given her life to. Onlookers described her as sitting upright like a little rabbit would. But the truth is, the fall had broken her hip. This time, she did not stir as a heavier chain was placed around her neck and she was lynched into the air once more. One last trumpeted scream reverberated across the yard. Within minutes, her body fell limp. Mighty Mary the Elephant was executed for the murder of Red Eldridge somewhere between four and five o'clock that afternoon. They left her hanging for the next 30 minutes before dumping her into a hole the size of a barn. Before she was buried, a veterinarian examined Mary's lifeless body, and he determined that she had a severely infected tooth in the precise spot where Red Eldridge had prodded her. And when crowds had long dispersed in quiet shame, later that evening, one of the circus's few remaining elephants escaped its holding and ran for the rail yard, stopping directly at the site where Mary had been laid to rest. The animal, in grief, was eventually captured and returned to the circus. One hundred years later, in 2016, Irwin hosted an elephant revival festival. In atonement, all of the proceeds were donated to a nearby elephant sanctuary. I'm fucking suicidal right now. Yeah, I was actually suicidal while writing, researching, and scoring the whole thing. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't a good experience. I, I, it's hard to imagine a species that deserves coronavirus and widespread suffering more than the one that we belong to after you hear stories like this. I'm like, oh yeah, we completely deserve all of this. Fuck people. Where's the asteroid? Yeah. And I'm, I know that's like really extreme. Back. I'm not gonna push back. I, I know it's a lot, but it's like it you you lynched, you publicly lynched 
And and this elephant was like Charles's baby. Right. You know what I mean? But he's put in this situation where he's got all these folks working for him. He's got 15 cars of circus performers and other exotic animals. He's just almost always teetering on going bankrupt or trying to be uh, fiscally solvent. And so rather than just kind of, I guess, fucking everybody, he decides to put his kid to death in front of a town of a few thousand people on a rainy day <sighs> using a rail car. Something that, that jumped out at me, too, is you hear people complaining a lot recently about, oh, cancel culture, cancel culture, cancel culture is new, we have to cancel cancel culture. And I, I just want to be clear that if you are a historian, if you are a researcher, it's already clear, but for people who are not... Cancel culture has always been a thing. We communicate it differently, and there are different ways to participate, but Mary got canceled. None of this would yeah. have happened if a bunch of people hadn't started demanding that she she literally be killed. So this is not a new thing that's happening, and, guys. And even without the internet, a, a, a bunch of people in a nearby town were just like, Steve, you still got a Civil War cannon? Let's roll that thing over <laughs> oh there and blow the elephant's head we weren't there. We didn't see the thing. But hey, why this not? This seems like a rational response to this story. It's, I was told by a guy Saturday. down the lane. I'm yeah. off work. Let's do something. Oh, God. Yeah, it uh, it was a very heartbreaking story. Uh, traumatizing. Sincerely. I, I literally cried tears when I heard this the first time. I, I mm. hate you. Like, I admire your storytelling and your narrative capabilities so much. But I hate you for ruining my day. I, you are not alone. I hate my myself but oh. I didn't before I even found the story no, of Mary we, so. we love you it's gonna be okay <sighs> I appreciate it um, but yes so why don't why don't we switch gears and try and move people out of um, crippling clinical depression as, as quickly yeah. as possible um, need a little palate cleanser yeah well, a little, little here, nose cleanser I've, I've got some lemon sorbet for you right you now. ever sniff coffee grinds at the department store when you're testing perfumes no that's a thing. That's go, a thing? Go to the perfume counter, and they always have, like, little cups of coffee grinds, and you sniff that after you sniff the perfume so you're ready to receive the next scent more authentically. Huh. So this story is going to be like a little cup of coffee grinds. Cool. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Yekaterina was trembling all over. She was alone in a strange place, and the metal bars interrupting her view of the dusty road stretched out beyond her indicated she'd be staying whether she wanted to or not. Anxiety pumped her heartbeat loudly in her ears, and hunger groaned audibly in her empty belly. Yekaterina, called Katya for short, was a bear. And until earlier that day, she had been a circus performer. Aspiring performer might be more accurate. Just 10 months old, Katja had been working with a trainer to become one of the star attractions in a traveling circus in Kazakhstan. She'd already been something of a child star seven months prior, when she was still just a puff of infant fur, drawing crowds of curious faces into the ramshackle roadshow with her adorable brown eyes and harmless cub paws. But today, she and her growing body, now closer to 80 pounds, had done something wrong. She didn't know what. She was a bear and a baby. 
but her trainer had spat angry noises at her, lashing her over the head and back until she wailed and scurried for cover. The two had been working for weeks at some sort of game, where sometimes she would walk on her back legs or climb up onto a block of wood, and then he'd toss a morsel of meat at her rapidly growing feet. She liked the part with the food. She didn't like the part where he would chain her by her neck upright, forcing her tall like a marching soldier for hours to strengthen her little legs. And she hated the part where he would sting her with the stiff whip he always kept on hand. Circustry is a thing in Kazakhstan. If you're an animal in Kazakhstan, this is, well, not exactly great news. The Central Asian country, best known globally as the homeland of fictional journalist Borat, Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hello, all you spooky nerds. And also normal people with, I don't know, social skills, an air fryer, whatever it is that makes normal people normal. We accept all kinds here. And we also accept all kinds over on our Patreon. Mm, Nice segue. We get it. Everyone's broke. Everyone's got a Patreon and no one wants to fill out yet another online payment form. But if you're listening to this show, then you'll actually love our Patreon. It's got all the best parts of the podcast. Weird stories from history's colon, underscoring and silly sound effects, dark psychology. And less of the other leftover stuff. Us, specifically. Less of us yammering. Every month, subscribers get either one or two, you get to pick, slickly produced, guest-free, and banter-free episodes of Secret Storytime, our series covering wild stories and case studies ripped from the annals of human history. Subscribers also get long-form written stories, in case you're someone who still likes to read, early and ad-free access to the usual monthly human fuckery competition show, and the ability to pick what we'll write about or do new episodes on next you can literally send us a link being like tell this story and we'll go okay it's the best way to make sure we can keep doing this show and every subscription helps us keep gary the ghoul housed it's hard to find a landlord who'll accept a demonic hell spawn with a torture fetish in this market you can help us keep gary housed and this show alive by heading over to www.patreon.com backslash human fuckery just pick a tier, enjoy the dozens of already released episodes of Secret Storytime, and wait till you see what we drop next month because, yeah, it's some entertaining fuckery. Is one of the biggest but also least populated landlocked nations in the world. Previously, the territory of fierce warriors, from Amazonian tribes to the Mongols, The area is now home to aging space launch facilities, oil drilling, and the memory of Joseph Stalin's gulags. Good times. The country's capital circus is one of its primary tourism draws, working closely with neighboring China and Russia. And while rates of unemployment, poverty, and lack of education in the nation have been steadily declining over the last decade, it's still a place plagued by both human and animal rights violations. Bride kidnapping, the practice of literally snatching a woman you want a wife off the street or out of her home and then forcing her to become part of your family against her will, that's a legitimate concern for some Kazakh females. 
And when advocates are busy fighting the abduction of women for forced breeding and domestic slavery, you can imagine that the ethical treatment of circus animals isn't high on anyone's radar. As a result, the country's beloved circuses and the smaller traveling shows, which act as minor league feeder teams, still utilize torture and negligence as a way to sculpt wild animals into submissive performers. Which brings us back to Katja, the grizzly bear. It should surprise no one that being forced to walk around like a people, dance and do tricks in front of large audiences of humans doesn't make too many wild animals happy. Some become clinically depressed. Some lash out violently at their trainers. Some self-abuse, scratching and chewing themselves into a bloody mess. Others simply sit down and refuse to do what they're commanded to do, no matter how hard they're beaten or how long they're starved. In the early 2000s, Katja proved herself to be one of these unfortunate animals, and so was, quote, abandoned by her trainer before hitting age one. Unable to return to the wild due to never learning how to be a wild bear, Katja was passed sloppily by the circus to the owners of the Balaya Yurta campsite, which is how she found herself locked in a cage, scared and confused, reduced to a tourist attraction visitors could take pictures of as they passed through. Visitors were indeed attracted to Katja. As she grew into the hulking, 400-pound adult beast she is today, travelers scrambled for the opportunity to interact with her up close and personal. Sometimes they threw scraps of horse meat or tossed garbage into her cage. But bears don't actually like being approached by loud, obnoxious, bipedal mammals that much. They're solitary predators, even in the wild, and avoid humans unless they're hunting them or following them for food. So it should come as no surprise that in 2004, Katja started feeling pretty badly about her very public imprisonment at Balaya Yurta. One day, an 11-year-old boy staying at the campsite for a kickboxing tournament approached her cage, trying to lean food through the bars to feed her. Reports from that day are vague, but something about the exchange triggered the massive animal's fear response, and Katya reached out with her enormous clawing paw, grabbing his legs. Before anyone could register what was happening, the child's leg was shredded deeply, and thick blood spilled across the ground. As people screamed and surrounded his body, he slipped into traumatic shock. Everything happened suddenly. I threw food to her, and through the cage she grabbed my leg. I don't remember anything else from that moment, the boy told the Kazakh media. He survived the encounter. Who knows whether he learned anything from it. And the campsite owners ruled it a freak accident that was the result of a child's poor decision-making. They put up several signs warning visitors not to get too close to the cage and continued business as usual. Several months later, 28-year-old Victor O was staying at Balaya Yurta with friends. They had been drinking for hours. Like many, many intoxicated young men before him, Victor's alcohol-addled brain got a great idea. He was going to shake hands with that bear in that cage right over there. Witnesses reported watching the stumbling drunk man stroll amiably past signs saying not to approach the cage, arm extended to what he hoped would soon be his very good friend. 
As a fan of this show, we're pretty sure you can guess what happened next. Ah! With two near-deadly assaults on humans in less than a year, Katya was deemed a violent criminal by Kazakh officials. She had only done what brown bears do when menaced by strange men while being held prisoner in a cage, but bears can't claim self-defense. It was agreed that there was no way Katya could remain at the campsite she never should have been held at to begin with. The problem was, where could she go? Already determined to be poorly suited to circus work, that option was out. If she was attacking while imprisoned, law enforcement reasoned, surely she would attack if left to her own devices. And because of her new criminal record, animal sanctuaries and zoos across the country refused to take her. And so, in 2004, Katja the Bear was sentenced to life in prison at the UK 161-2 penal colony in Kostani, Kazakhstan. No prison is designed for comfort, but Kostani is particularly free of frills. The facility is home to around 700 dangerous criminals at any given time, including murderers, rapists, and violent assailants. All inmates are male. Conditions at the colony have been deplored by human rights activists for years. In 2019, videos leaked to Facebook showed prisoners on a filthy floor being forced to sew uniforms for the same guards who sometimes assault or rape them. And advocates allege that poisoning inmates' food is one of the ways the administration keeps their charges too unwell to riot. Katya was its first and only female prisoner. Like, ever. Despite not being one of the compound's many murderers or rapists, she was also the only inmate with a life sentence. And while this is rationally super unfair, 2004 was kind of a wild year. The Iraq war was in full swing. A tsunami had ripped through Southeast Asia, killing tens of thousands of people. News of the Abu Ghraib prison abuse scandal dominated headlines around the world, and four billion TV viewers watched the Summer Olympics in Athens, Greece, as an emotional analgesic. The plight of a single brown bear condemned to life in a human prison never made international headlines. It was forgotten by locals in the span of a week. Prisoners at Kostanay noticed, however... It's kind of hard not to notice when a multi-hundred-pound animal with a violent criminal past joins your ranks. To make up for her size and total lack of interaction with other animals of any kind, prison officials saw it fit to combine several cells and create an enclosure for their new female resident. They had human prisoners construct a small swimming pool adjacent to her lair, giving her easy access to physical activity. This is, as anyone who lives alone during a pandemic can tell you, in no way a replacement for actual companionship or life in the wild. But it was, actually, a step up from her living situation at the campground. And since no one was chaining her upright to walls or whipping her for tricks, it was better than her brief life in the circus as well. And there is honor among thieves. Over the next decade, inmates fell in love with Katya. Her fellow prisoners were known to seek out and even barter for treats like apples, cookies, and candy. And then, rather than eat these hot commodities themselves, use leisure time to bring them as gifts to their giantess compatriot. 
Inmates could regularly be seen sitting near Katya's cage, but not violating her personal space because prisoners apparently understand the value of boundaries more than drunk dudes, Victor. Sharing their woes and talking to her. One told a UK publication that, quote, she always puts a smile on their face when they're having a bad day, end quote. Criminals receiving visitors were even allowed to bring their families to see the unofficial mascot of UK 161-2. In 2016, some of those visitors began to share stories about visiting the bear at the penal colony. With the popularity of social media and blogging now at its peak, word of Katya's life sentence and modified solitary confinement finally made its way onto the internet. Animal rights activists began circulating petitions, banding together to pressure officials in Kazakhstan to transfer Katya to a more humane situation. Through sites like change.org, thousands of petitioners reached out to the Ministry of Agriculture, demanding the bear be freed, which royally pissed off the prison. It had collectively grown so fond of Katya that they erected a statue in her honor on the property, a gold-painted piece of art depicting her roaring on all fours like a bear. We have no plans to relocate Katya, Deputy Chief of Educational Work Azamat Gasapazov told KST News. She has already become a symbol of our colony. We have gotten used to her and we will not give her to anyone. Officials also pointed out that because of her larger enclosure, access to daily exercise, regular feedings, and the good care she received from her fellow prisoners, whatever violent tendencies Katya demonstrated had disappeared. She rarely seemed agitated, never swiped at anyone, and even allowed one or two men to pet her. But news that Katya, the murderous bear, was now pretty zen only fueled animal rights activists' insistence that she be moved to a large, open enclosure where she could run, roll, hibernate, and, you know, be a bear. They were persistent. They were noisy. They were unrelenting on a prison administration that had, until 2017-ish, been almost entirely unknown to the rest of the world. And so, on June 5th, 2019, Yekaterina the Bear, age 36, was released from Costanay Penal Colony. At the time of her release, she had served 15 years. She was transported by trailer to what the media referred to as, quote, a small zoo park in the north of Kazakhstan, where two other former circus bears, Yasha and Nika, were already enjoying the retirement alongside a camel, several wolves, one donkey, and a yak. Katya's transfer from a human prison to an animal zoo did little to quell the most zealous animal activist, who said that the lateral move from one cage to another was meaningless. But Valentina Dmitrienko, head of the modest animal facility, said the property's lush greenery and the presence of other animals makes for a far more mentally stimulating life for Katya. There's even hint of a happy ending since it seems male bear Yasha took a shine to Katya almost immediately. Workers said he was making happy bear noises and snoot-booping her with his nose in the places where their enclosures touch. We were all very happy for such a warm welcome, and everyone was touched by such a meeting, Valentina said. Katya the bear has never roamed free, 
and still does not. To our knowledge, she is not mated, born cubs, or ever hunted in the wild. But for an ex-con, guilty of assaulting two idiots and condemned to life in a Kazakh prison for it, things are now better than possibly ever before. And in 2020, at least, that's the most any of us can really ask for. All right. What'd you think? I'm... I'm legitimately shocked that uh, Kazakhstan, it just, it made the news without Borat. I mean, I know. even though you I put know. it in the story, it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> good for you, Kazakhstan, also, for bringing this freak show to us. Interesting fact, um, Edward and I technically in this episode have broken a, a Kazakh law. Uh, that yes. little snippet of the national anthem that we played in my story is not their national anthem. Let's be queer. Wow. Well, you have no problem being queer. So it's a, it's a try let's, again. Let's be clear. Uh, that was from the film Borat. And that has been such a problem for the country of Kazakhstan. Um, one of their sharpshooters won a major international pre-Olympic competition. And when she got on the gold medal podium, they played that instead of the Kazakh national anthem. So she had to stand there while while that was being played. And then it happened again. And so Kazakhstan passed a law saying that you can go to jail for playing the Borat national anthem as yeah. their national anthem. So she didn't even crack a smile. I mean, like I would, I would I have laughed my or ass off you know, if, if, if I was standing on a podium <laughs> and they played like the America fuck yeah from Team America, I'd be like, this is hilarious. But she did not think it was funny. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, besides the, uh, you know. But, the you know, hey, coffee grinds. I definitely feel much better. Thank you. <laughs> than, than the story of Mary the, the Marvelous Elephant. Uh, Katya, what a horrible life. Awful. Y you know what I mean? But strange, however, in the most unlikely of places, she gets dropped into this horrible, heinous prison where she finds probably the first community, the first community of love and compassion and interaction that does not revolve around the infliction of abuse for the first time in her life. I loved reading how uh, they they talked about how people really respected her personal space. Mm -hmm. You know that like, you know, everywhere she had a else reputation. She's... It was like you know when, <laughs> when they bring the prisoners in and like, what did he do? You know, he like murdered his whole family, family annihilation, anomic killer. That's Brad Bishop, right? You know, right. whatever, right? But yeah, they what, they what brought, this bitch do? They brought oh. Katya in and they're like, oh shit. She, yeah, don't want to mess with her. Right, she gores people who who don't give her space, and they're like, "All right, don't mess with her." But I, I mean, I, I thought it was fascinating and ironic and kind of sweet that the people who most respected her life, her plight, and her autonomy were were other people who had lost their autonomy. So yeah, it's strange how that works, though. You know what I mean? How even when we hear stories of. Uh, rapist or pedophiles going to prison like the level of offense that your average prisoner takes to that level of cruelty to innocent 
beings yes. or innocent yes. creatures in general because uh, let's be honest anyone that ends up in jail or I should say for the better part most people that end up in jail have some sort of traumatic past and yes. a lot of these folks had been abused themselves and so mm -hmm. they identify just as we do with animals with the helplessness and the powerlessness of young children or women who are assaulted and mm -hmm. so yeah the last place you want to be if you're a rapist or a child molester, is in a prison with some of these big bag dudes. And so they see Katya and they kind of feel, I, I think, almost in the same way. But they had this level of reverence for her mm -hmm. and awe as well, bringing their little tributes of apples and snacks and good oh, stuff, you know, which of course, you know, is like gold inside of a prison. You yes. Know? It, yes. Uh, like the fact that they an, were acquiring these things. An apple is things. a bar of gold for sure. Yeah. No, and again, Kazakhstan, like, you know, the, yeah. they're, they're, uh, Kazakhstan is a nation on the rise. Um, so their levels of poverty have we changed. We have Borat to thank for that. Uh, actually, <laughs> In the research, they saw a spike in tourism after Borat that they had never had before. So as much as they despise him, he did help a I little. I wonder if people were a little disenfranchised when they got there and discovered that Kazakhstan was not Romania. Uh, not Romania. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's, it's a hybrid of Eastern European and, and Central Asian cultures. And uh, I'm sure that they were a little shocked and surprised. But there are parts of the country that are absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it's a pretty it's, good it's, looking town. Yeah. <laughs> country. <laughs> Scratch that. It's the, the sixth largest landlocked landmass in the world. Yeah, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's a little right. village. Who, who would I be if I weren't ignorant? <laughs> um, Point is, love the story. Great job on the research. Way to set the stage, as always. Great backdrop for the story. Kind of giving us a little context of what life is like over there. And just... I don't know. It just adds a little further insight, or I should say a little further emphasis in just how amazing it is that this amazing little creature survived through that entire shit show. Uh, survived the shit show and also was rescued almost exclusively by people who never met her and will never meet her. You know, a yeah. bunch of bleeding heart, Libby left-leaning type people in other countries. Uh, the Netherlands, Canada, mm -hmm. uh, Australia, and the U.S. were like heavily involved in free Katja, so. Now she's snoot booping on the reg. Love yeah. it. All right. So, all that said, that fire tornado is getting pretty close. I know. I'm, I'm sweating a little bit, so why don't we get this going? Gary, can you ungag the guests for us, baby? Thank you. All right, friends. These are our crimes committed by animal stories. Um, any first thoughts? I am originally from a little town in East Tennessee, just down from Kingsport and Irwin. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I mean, I, I grew up with that story. Right, Yeah. right. It was... It was the craziest thing. As a matter of fact, while I was working at the Barter Theater in Abingdon, Virginia, uh, a friend was presenting his play there, sort of using actors from the theater. And that story actually mm -hmm. gets mentioned. Yeah. It's, you know, a lot of people don't believe me when I tell them that this is an actual thing that happened. I'm right. like, no, they actually hung right. a damn elephant. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's one of those things that it's either presented as being sympathetic toward the elephant or one of those things like, can you believe people around here did that stupid shit? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, That's encouraging. Yeah. 
Yeah, Irwin has kind of gained the reputation as the the town that hung the elephant, uh, which is why it's something that that at least as far as like newspaper articles have suggested, they don't really talk about it too too much. But they did indeed have this festival a few years ago to donate proceeds to the elephant sanctuary, and I believe that was actually organized by high school students who Aww. discovered yeah, this, yeah, was. this story and they were like, why didn't we know this? Let's do something for Mary. I can say that watching JC throughout the the hearing of the stories, I, I'm pretty sure we ruined her day. Like we we genuinely were like, oh, this will be really funny and it'll be fun. And the, and, and, and I, I want to be clear, I did find a couple really great, really funny animal stories. Uh, mm-hmm. There is a woman named Pam Weaver. Pam Weaver um, was literally humped to death by her 10 month old camel. Wait, what? Yes. <laughs> Pam wow. Weaver was given a baby camel by her husband as an anniversary present. It maladapted because you definitely should not be keeping a camel in your backyard as, as a suburban woman. Yeah, and that camel uh, straddled her, um, was was humping her and crushed her to death. So she was humped to death by a camel. Wow. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, so yeah, I know yeah, it's I mean, not relatively funny. Relatively speaking, if, if you're Pam, if it's you're not, not the hilarious. Weaver fan, sorry, if the Weaver family's <laughs> listening, which I hope you're not, it's not funny. However, wow. don't keep exotic animals in your yard Yeah, pet. that's um, a strange choice. Also, the story of Otto the octopus, the brilliant octopus that keeps escaping his enclosure mm. at the facility that he's at has captivated oh. millions of people. I love him. If yeah. you don't know the story of Otto, please Google him Otto is my spirit animal. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, me too. Me, I'm, he see, he's got a lot of he's got a lot of extremities, so he's, I think oh, he can yeah. share it. Otto but. the octopus, the one that like predicted the winner of the World Cup like every winner, or was, <laughs> was that a different octopus? I think that's a different that octopus. That is a different octopus, sir. Anyway, about the stories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Doug, can you can you give us some some feedback, some thoughts on, on story A? Uh, besides, hey, I know that town where those fuck ups are. Yeah, um, yeah. As far as that goes, the way yeah the way it was told here. I mean, there are some of those there are some of those elements that I didn't even know. Like I didn't know that they had forgotten to unchain the back legs oh and broke her hip, and I I was just oh my like. I have always been like that poor, poor elephant, but mm-hmm. now I'm just like, yeah, just rip my heart out of my chest. Why don't yeah. you? you, you- you kidnapped a, an animal lover, covered him in marshmallow fluff, and put him in front of a fire nato. <laughs> yeah. Two of them, yeah. Uh, <laughs> did you go to the circus when you were a kid? Um, it came through Greenville once. Like, yeah. this was a very small, very tiny sort of circus. Uh, mm-hmm. That was the only time I'd ever really gone to a circus. Did you have, like, a moment of awe for seeing the exotic animals, or was it kind of like a quiet uneasiness of just, like, they look kind of miserable? Yeah, it, that, that was really more what it was for me. I'm just like, that animal is way too big for that itty-bitty space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb and say you were probably like a weird empath child. Like On top of that, you know, I'm an only child in a situation where I'm constantly having to read the room. So. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting, well, they can't see us, but raise your hand if you did not enjoy animals in the circus as a kid. Is, is it unanimous? My, yeah, my parents had a pretty strict no animal circus rule growing up. My sister and I loved Dumbo and we wanted to go to the circus because we imagined it would, you know, be sort of like that and our parents were like like my uh pt yeah. barnum had an elephant called jumbo yes right loosely based all that good stuff yes. right 
One of the points of significance, actually like the primary marketing point for the Spark Circus is that Mary was bigger than Jumbo. Oh which yeah. Jumbo was supposedly the biggest elephant on the planet, right? But she was a few inches taller than him, mm. which was pretty significant, especially for a female elephant, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it was she was just a marvel, truly, but... It also speaks to her being actually very well raised and well kept uh, up until yeah, a certain point. It, I mean, not as ideally... As well as an animal could who's yes. in a traveling circus, yes. but yeah. It was a different scenario. She was treated like she had some sentience, it seems. Yeah, you know, until Red's Dumbass. Red. Fucking yeah. red. Fucking red. Man, has, is he there was ever... a hotel clerk who got, who got hired as an elephant underkeeper. And prior to getting hired as a hotel clerk, apparently he was homeless. So, oh, boy. Um, not, he wasn't a good wow. fit in wow. here. Wow. Who checked that resume and nobody. was like, oh, this is no, our guy. Nobody. Who handed Red a bullhook? Yeah. Even more. Yeah, you know? that seems like a poor anyway. Uh, JC, as our, our resident animal rights uh, super activist, um, how are you doing? You want to Valium? I am so unwell after hearing those stories. Obviously, as someone who spends a lot of my time advocating for animals, these stories were really, really difficult for me to listen to, um, especially because animals are voiceless. I care about human suffering as well, and I'm very empathetic toward human injustices, but I just have such a soft spot for animals because they can't speak for themselves and they can't defend themselves against us. Well, did you did you follow the news in recent years when Ringling finally decided to do away with elephants in their circus? I have followed along with the various petitions about circuses and roadside zoos. So I have been on change.org since 2014 and signing petitions every week. And that's part of why I decided to go to law school because while I would volunteer in my community growing up and do things in college and sign all these petitions every week, I felt like I still had to do something more. And I felt like going to law school and learning how to affect social change would really help me do that. Well, ever, thank you for participating in the release oh, for of sure. Katya. So Definitely. That's, that's big. Sorry, Edward, I interrupted oh, you. Oh, no, no, no. No, I was going to ask Doug if he ever rode an elephant before. Uh, once at the Knoxville Zoo when I was just a teeny tiny thing. I think I was yeah. like second grade, something like that. They put me up there. Closest I'll ever get to riding a dragon. For sure. Yes. <laughs> well, hey, there's Hold there's a hope. lot there's a lot going on. 2020's been weird, is all I'm saying. Yeah, well, like, let's not yeah, well, you know, if uh, my bingo card is correct, they're coming in November, so. I'm very excited about that. <laughs> well, I... not far off the subject, do you support the resurrection of the woolly mammoth? Hmm. Little Jurassic Park action. Yeah. JC, you're nodding JC your head. JC is nodding like, a like, lot. You, you feel like that's, a, that's an ethical choice? So I support the resurrection of the woolly mammoth. Um, I don't really know about the ethics of it so far. It honestly might turn out to be like pet cemetery. So maybe that's a really bad idea, but my feelings about it are stemming from my Jurassic Park fandom. And I also think it could be promising in research about how we could possibly revive other species that mm -hmm. we have caused to go extinct. Now, Doug, as a, a practicing uh, wizard of sorts, I, I don't want to uh, be yes. be reductive, but it is a podcast. So, um, yeah. but 
how do you feel about, you know, where in the spiritual realm is the karma of fucking with animals? Like, uh, talk to me about, you know, what people who mess with animals are doing with their spirit. Uh, well, in the Norse tradition, we would probably say that he's being sent to Night Augur. Uh, mm. who is the serpent at the roots of the world tree who breathes poison and devours these people. Oh, yeah. Sounds like, like a sexy nightclub. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of fun. I think that place is in the French Quarter. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that place is just Bourbon Street on a Saturday night, honestly. <laughs> it's fact. 9.45 But actually, it sounds a little bit more creative than the places on Bourbon Street, though. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least better drinks. Yeah, yeah. Less karaoke as well. Oh, man. And JC, as, as a practicing witchy type person, how, how do you feel about the, the karma of people who, who fuck with animals? And do you have a spirit animal? So various uh, practices discuss the issue of karma in its relation to animals. Buddhism and Hinduism uh, uh -huh. specifically mention that and how harming sentient beings that have less power than you do is one of the worst infractions that you can make um, in terms of your karma. And I agree with that. While I don't have a spirit animal that I have found on a vision quest, um, I wish that I did, but the spirit animal that I choose is any type of cat. Um, mm -hmm. I'm a huge cat lover, so any type of large cat would be awesome. Sure. So let's move over to the story of Katya, the, the bear yeah. trapped in the Kazakhstan human prison. How it sounds like at least in part she had an okay time. But, uh, uh, I, I think she was yeah, having possibly yeah. the best time of anybody <laughs> at, uh, uh, oh God. Uh, what a UB shocking setup though, you know what I mean? It's like, what if like Rikers Island had its own bear yes. and they, they put a statue out for The him. guy running the prison, the guy who's like, hey, we regularly poison our inmates so that they can't rise up against us, but we love this bear. Doug, any thoughts or feedback on, on Katja's tale? Uh, yeah. Uh Mauling the drunk guy who just decided he was going to be besties with it. Uh, oh, life Victor. goals. I mean, come on. <laughs> right. uh, who hasn't yeah. wanted to maul yeah. a drunk guy named Victor at least? Yeah, once. right? Is Victor dead? Uh, Victor survived. Victor, uh, so both of them survived yes. and she was still sentenced to life in prison. Yes, wow. yes. I don't understand that. Yeah. I, well, I don't know. That's a weird choice. Yes, yeah, yes sure. it is. Very but, strange. But we went wow. over what was happening in 2004 that made people not, you know, pay pay closer attention. But oh, yeah, I agree. She I, got out of selling uh, prison uniforms. So Well, there, then not that. having the opposable thumbs was probably a real challenge. But well, I don't yeah. know. She seems pretty bright. JC, any thoughts or comments on, on the tale of Katya the Grizzly? For starters, I don't really understand the number of people that mess with Katya because whenever I see a bear skeleton, I'm reminded of how lethal and terrifying they are. They're so cute, but there is no way after seeing their skeleton that I would ever be sticking my arm anywhere close to one. I did really struggle with this story though because even though I am an animal rights and an animal welfare activist, I felt like Katya had a good life. 
in the prison and she connected with so many people and what I found so touching about Katya's story was that even though she was in this terrible place with all of these other prisoners, she was an opportunity to bridge the gap between humans and animals and really help engender an understanding that animals have sentience like we do and I thought that was such a beautiful thing that she provided that type of experience for so many people who maybe had not previously experienced that. And I loved the fact that they put up a statue uh, in her honor after she left. I think it really goes to show the strength of bonds that people can make with animals when they really try to. And so nice. I didn't have room to expand on it in the story just for time, but like people would use Katja for therapy. Like they would go out there and they would sit and they would take their turns like confessing things and sharing their difficult feelings wow. to her. And then they would give her, you know, whatever their their little snacks were. And then they would go on with their day. I was like, fuck. What if Katya was like a judgy bitch too? Like, <laughs> they just I didn't her. know it. She's just like, oh, God. Fuck you. <laughs> like, seriously, dude, get your shit together. We've talked Definitely. about this. Your boundaries are too porous. God. Just rolling around in the pool, <laughs> judging everybody. Buddy, eating all their apples. <laughs> Good for her. I'm glad she got out, though. Like, what do you think, though, about being uh, taken out of the prison from all of her boys to being put in this small, like, natural zoo? I, I do understand some of the complaints of, you know, the, the activists who are saying, you know, you just moved her from cage to cage. But I also understand, like, this is a 36, I think now 37 or almost 38-year-old bear who has never been a bear. Like, you can't just be like, you're free now in the absolutely right. unforgiving yeah. landscape that is Kazakhstan. Just cool. like this expanse of rocks and crap and people. Uh, yeah, the, the, where else were they going to put her? Yeah, I mean, she does not know how to bear at this point. Right, right, exactly. Like, she's been trained to be more people. That I mean, she has more training as a therapist than most therapists do at this point. How is she supposed to bear? She should become a beach body coach. <laughs> so shakeology to all the prisoners. Oh, my God. So let's, let's, let's get into the, the nuts and bolts. Um, Doug, uh which story? Are, are you behind story A or story B is the winner? And please explain why. Well, I mean, honestly, I have got to go with story B. And my reasoning on this one is this other one. I mean, on top of, you know, the fact that this bear gets the whole life goals of ripping apart a drunk dude <laughs> and then it ends with snoop booping okay how does that not win it's a full arc i gotcha i gotcha don't think less of doug he's a tour guide in the french quarter ripping apart a drunk dude is life goals for some absolutely tour guides. And, uh, absolutely yeah. and it's a reasonable life goal Definitely. guys we need to be clear about that jc where are you on the scale so I want to pick the story about Katya just because it was happier and it was a little bit easier to listen to because I felt like she got a happier ending than Mary. But I'm going to pick the story about Mary because even though it was absolutely heart-wrenching, I feel like after hearing you know, what Doug had to say in his experience with growing up 
near the town that that happened and the stories and how it's been perceived and the fact that the kids in the high school, you know, raise money to donate to a cause for elephants. I think that that story has been more impactful in changing people's views of how we treat animals. And I feel like it has a larger impact on a macro level of advancing rights for animals. And so I'm going to go with that story. All right. Well, listeners out there, if you disagree with either of our guests, we will have a post up on the Instagram and on the Facebook that will give you the opportunity to vote and figure out who our and next president them, will be. Just tear them down as people yes, as well. Yeah, just let, definitely. Just let them know. Well, I, I, do we, um, sh- should should we free them because they did the thing? I, I think that we should, but before we let them go, JC, any suggestions for where people can go to get more educated or sign any cool petitions or maybe make some awesome donations? Like an organization that you stand behind as far as mistreatment of animals or liberation of animals or just better, better humane conditions for animals in captivity. Absolutely. Thank you so much for asking. The U.S.-based animal law organization is called the Animal Legal Defense Fund, and they focus on taking cases to court that will improve the welfare of animals in our justice system. So they are a wonderful resource to learn about what's happening in the American legal system and how animals are treated, as well as any type of advancement that they are currently working on. So any resources that you can give to them would be greatly appreciated and will go far in changing how animals are viewed in our country. I'm also a fan of any other type of organization like the World Wildlife Fund that you can find through petition sites like change.org or just in similar Google searches. Thank you. All right. Um- Gary, can you unchain the guests and leave the fluff where it is, though? (laughs) Oh, yeah, thank you. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Okay, introverted weirdos, that's it for this month. Thank you so much for clicking play and joining us for another hour of absolute fuckery. An extra thank you to JC and Doug for judging, even if we still cannot get a unanimous decision on the books. We also want to thank our dear friend Sergio Gonzalez Pagan, one of the many wonderful musicians living and working here in New Orleans. He composed and performed some of the music you heard in my story, and there is nothing quite like getting to use original music instead of stock sound. As always, you can find us all over the interwebs to vote for which story you want to win, read stories that we find buried in history's colon, or draw our attention to stories you think should be told. We're on Instagram at Human Fuckery Podcast, on Twitter at Human Fuckery Pod, and also on Patreon at patreon.com backslash human fuckery. There's a link to become a subscriber right in the show notes. If you think we don't suck, Please do leave us a five-star review so we can keep bringing y'all fun stuff. Until then, be safe, keep it kind, and please do stay weird.